Hi, my name is Phil Metzger, and in 1992, I moved to Moscow, Russia. From there, I lived in the beautiful Central European country of Hungary, where my family and I spent the next 20 years living, learning, and sharing about Jesus. Different foods, culture, and language, but underneath it all, we discovered the most amazing people. We learned that to share the gospel effectively, we had to adjust. We had to cross cultures. Now we're back in the U.S. and we're discovering that this country is a melting pot of culture. This show is committed to helping Christians connect to those who think, believe, and live differently than them. This is Crossing Cultures. Hey, thanks for watching this episode of Crossing Cultures, a podcast that is dedicated to helping Christians learn how to connect to those who live, believe, and think differently than they do. And this week we are in part two of a uh, conversation that we started last week. So let me just say this. If you did not watch part one, pause, go back, listen to part one. I'm joined by, with a with me today, Tony Clark and Bill Buffington. So make sure that you watch that first one. If you have, this is going to be an amazing continuation of a conversation that we started last week. So let's jump right into it. So let me ask you a question, and uh, Bill, I'll direct this one at you. I'm just, um, so I'm, I'm in San Diego right now, and, you know, I lived in a, I lived in a, in Europe that is white. It's just white. And, uh, and, and people who are, have color are African. They're, they're, they're from Africa, Nigeria, Ghana, so on and so forth. Amazing people. Okay, so I'm back in America, and I'm, I want to pastor a church. I want to see, because my, my community is diverse. Um, I want to see my church be as diverse as my community. So it's in my heart. And I'm speaking personally, but I'm also hoping this would like maybe encourage other people in this process. What are some things that I can do? You know, I'm praying. I'm I'm trying to teach in a way that is not like white America, and not even just America, I guess, because in my context, I'm reaching people who are coming across the border, who are from South American countries, Central American countries, and so on. What can I do to make or to create a space that could be open to more diversity. Yeah, I, I, I believe this strongly, that if we make the culture of the church, it is, a, it is Christ culture. So uh, the culture of the church is not, you know, black, it's not white, it's not Hispanic. It is, we're creating a culture that is Christ and, and that it will envelop everybody. You know, this isn't just for, um, I think it would be wrong, even though I've been on the other side of it, I, I wouldn't want our church to feel like, I wouldn't want a white person to come and feel like, oh, that's not for me. That's, that's, that's there. Because you know what that's like. <laughs> exactly. It's like, I, this is for Jesus, you know. Mm -hmm. um, now, as the body grows, and that, we've experienced that. As time has gone by, the, the worship is going to reflect those that are part of the team. So on our worship team, we have black, white, Hispanic, and Everybody get a little bit of everybody get a little something in there, you know. So there's, there's a little bit of a mixture that that happens. Um, uh, and then, like Pastor Tony said, as people come through the church, uh, we have our discipleship, um, and people are qualified to serve. Um, you know, we we want to get them in positions of service, and so um, it might be in the parking lot or somewhere else. And that way, when other people come and they see the the community of believers is greeting them and some everybody, you know, these are the people that make up the body of Christ here. Um, but I think it's really important to, to let that be the culture. The culture is Jesus. The, the attitude, mm. the, um, however we can emphasize that if it's in the teaching, if it's in our ministry philosophy, 
um, I, I want that to be, I want that to be seen more than anything else. Uh, more than, more than, you know, you know, racial culture or anything else. I, I want people to leave saying, man, it just, they're about Jesus. This is about, this is about him. And I, I feel like if that comes across, that can be home for anybody. Um, that's going to minister to the deepest needs in each person. I don't care who comes in the door. If we keep it about Jesus, Jesus is going to meet their needs. Mm. And so um, that's my conviction on, on that, you know, and again, there may be, there, there are things that, you know, practical things where, um, you know, music and so forth and so on that I think it should reflect those that are there. Um, but I think the culture of the church, I think the, the things we say from the pulpit, you know, some guys don't even realize that the way they speak, they're running off a whole group. Some of our, some of my brothers right now that have wa they're waxing very political. Um, to me, I won't waste my microphone on anything that's not Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know who's present every week. I don't know their political stands. I don't know where they stand with the Lord. And so I want to preach the message that's in the Bible. I want to preach Jesus to you. I want to share Christ with you. I want to see you come to know him or get to know him better. Um, if I stand up and I bash this group, I, I may never get to preach the gospel. You may be out the door before I get to that. And I think those are some of the things I see happening where people are like, man, you, you, you're only going to be able to preach to people that are just like you. Mm -hmm. um, you you've majored in so many things that are not Jesus that you're only going to be able to preach to people that already agree with you on these things. And, and you won't be able to reach wide and far. There's definitely this pull right now, and I'm sure, I mean, I know we all are feeling it, where it's like church becomes more like a club than it is the, the church, where it's like a club is where people gather together who think the same way. And there's this, like, there's this, there's this push right now to, like, let's make church like that rather than a place that is so open to people who think differently, but who could all, we all need Jesus, regardless of our, our thought processes. Um yeah, go ahead, Tony. Yeah, let me just say this, is that um, you, you, you got a lot of people who will come to church that are saved. You got some that are not saved. You got some who think they're saved, but they're not. So you got a variety of people. You got some that don't know the Lord at all. Mm -hmm. So with that, the experts have said this, that the first 11 seconds that a person comes onto a church campus, they've already determined whether they're coming back or not. So wow. that... That, that is before they heard one song. That is before they heard one word you have preached or anything like that. They have already determined about how they're treated, whether the first 11 seconds, whether they're coming back or not. So to me, you know, uh, we're going to, for us, we're Calvary Chapel people. So we're going to teach the word verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, from Genesis to Revelation. The, the Bible says man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. So this is why just practically looking at it, this is why the outside of the church makes, makes a huge difference to people, um, how they're treated, the ushers, greeters, parking lot. Because man is looking at the outward appearance. So if man is looking at the outward appearance, this is why I said you must be intentional about putting mm -hmm. people in visible positions because this, this is how man looks at it. Man right. looks at the outward appearance. God is the one who looks at the heart. So before you even, before any of us get up in the pulpit and start teaching verse by verse, we have to make sure that all the barriers of why people would come to church or not come to church is removed. Mm -hmm. 
and, and and especially with all the racial stuff going on, if we become intentional about meeting people where they are, which is man looks at the outward appearance, and on top of that, people are, are carnal. People are fleshly. They right. look at the flesh. Therefore, we create the, that thing where they have no more barriers in their lives where uh, through the parking lot, ushers, greeters, people in visible positions, then they come relaxed, they sit down, then they hear the worship, then mm -hmm. they hear the word. We're last, we're, we're last. So often before we get up there and gave one word verse by verse, they've already determined that we could give the most awesome Bible study and they've already determined in their heart whether they're coming back or not. So, you know, yes, that culture of, like Bill was talking about, that whole culture of Jesus. Yes, we, we want to do that because that's, it's his church and we ought to make sure it's all about him. So, but yes, and, and I, don't, I don't talk about politics from the pulpit and, or anything. I tell people I got too much Bible to teach. <laughs> however, however, I teach the word, but we, what we miss is the practical application. How are we going to apply this word to the people's lives when they come? We mm -hmm. cannot get up there and constantly talk about it's 15.9 miles from Jerusalem to Jericho. That's great. That's fine. And we can do that. But they want to know, especially people in the hood, and they want to know in the inner city, well, what does the Bible have to say? My husband just left me with four babies. And, um, and what am I to do about that? Uh, or, you know, I just lost my job to COVID. What does the Bible have to say about that? So we cannot be so heavenly minded, so to speak, that mm -hmm. we're no earthly good to the people coming. So we cannot ignore the politics. We cannot ignore the race, race issues. We cannot ignore the tension in the room with different people. We cannot ignore that. So we don't solely talk about that. However, we teach the word, but we got to make sure we show them how that word applies to the things that they're dealing with in everyday life. So what I've seen from too many Calvary Chapel pastors, and I've told this in, in pastors conferences, I said, you guys do a great job in telling the people what they need to know about the Bible. Y'all do a great job. I said, but you never, you don't tell them how it applies to their lives. Mm. And I said, Every message must answer two questions. Number one, what do you want them to know? And number two, what do you want them to do? Now that you told them it's 15.9 miles from Jerusalem and Jericho, that's great. Now, what do you want them to do with that? Mm -hmm. So the thing is, is that I've just seen too many Calvary guys get up there and preach the Bible and give it verse by verse and do an excellent job. But it's, it's void of how it applies to the everyday life. And mm. that's what I'm seeking to do. So I want to remove all the barriers. I want to make sure the outside of the building looks nice. I want to make sure the paper and trash is cleaned up like Pastor Chuck taught us, even if I have to get out there and pick up the trash. And then I want to make sure there are nice ushers and greeters and stuff to greet them with the love of Jesus, as well as diverse people to show them it's okay to be here. And then I want to study to show myself approved and mm. to give them the word of God and then show them how it applies to their lives. So that's the whole thing that I'm seeking to do. So good. Oh, thank you. Wow, that was so good. I, I want to pivot and ask a, a couple different questions on this on same subject, a couple different directions. Um, when, when after the death of Ahmaud Arbery and then George Floyd, I... Uh, 
you know, again, I've been so out of America for so long, and I just come, and I, I see this, and I'm, you know, wrestling through with young people and, and their emotions and what's happening, and just, like, everybody's reeling from, like, what is going on, and and I put out this thing. Uh, we all agree we're, no, we don't have this political agenda. It's not, it's not interesting, but I put out this thing where I said, America says that all are created equal. Jesus said, esteem others as better than yourself. Black lives matter. Wow, did I not know that saying those words would incite such like um, and and you know and, and and now and since then I've had amazing conversations with people who you know obviously people who just flat out disagree and they can't hear anything but then those that are like I want to understand but I only hear a political movement with those words of Black Lives Matter they just can't get past this idea that this is a statement giving honor to people who are hurting and who have been systematically pushed down. It's as if, like, you know, you'd think I was a Marxist and a communist. And living in former communist countries didn't help. Everybody's convinced I must be a communist, right? And so I'd like to talk to you guys about that because um, people are... You know, those that are like really invested into the political world and the in the in the conservative world, they just cannot separate between a statement and maybe like this movement that doesn't represent that. Could you guys speak to that? Oh yeah, you know, as a matter of fact, I just I just talked about this uh, the other day on Pastor's perspective, and I've been saying it since it all broke off. I said, look, there's a huge difference between Black Lives Matter the statement and Black Lives Matter, the movement. I said, I support Black Lives Matter, the, the statement. I say, and here is why. It's because of the Imago Day. We are made in the image of God. Black people are made in the image of God too. And I said, I reject Black Lives Matter, the movement, because it is ungodly, unbiblical, unrighteous, and any other un you can come up with. And so there's a huge difference between the two and we have to constantly let them know that there is a difference between the two. And I said, you know, uh, I've been, you know, fighting with people on social media since all of this broke off. And I said, you guys, I said, just be honest. I said, y'all don't like unbelievers. I said, these people, the uh, Black Lives Matter, uh, Antifa and all the liberals and all that, I said, they're lost. They're lost people. I said, where's your heart for lost people? I said, why can't we see them through the eyes of Jesus? Jesus in Matthew 9, 36 saw the multitudes and he was filled with compassion for them because he saw them as weary and bruised like sheep without a shepherd. Why can't y'all see them through the eyes of Jesus? They right. are lost. Mm -hmm. I said, so this is where I find the problem that Christian people they have no heart for lost people and they've forgotten that they were lost themselves. And so that's what, you know, I, I've constantly been pushing since I've been uh, interviewed since all of this broke off. Yeah, I, I would add to that. Um, I think I was just telling you this earlier, Phil, that, that um, I, I watched, you know, I'm watching online as well. And, um, and I would just agree that there is, there's this disconnect between, we're looking at lost people do lost people stuff. Yeah. And, I'm, I, and I, it, it, it's, it's funny because the Jesus people movement was born out of a similar thing. 
You had the hippies that were revolting against culture. Oh. You know, they were they were they were protesting the wars. They wanted peace and love yes. and everything else. And the 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 mainstream church just rejected them. Dirty, barefooted, long hair, oh. get out of here. Yeah. Wouldn't have nothing to do with them. And then it took, you know, Chuck Smith's wife, yes, know, uh, having a, a heart for them and wanting to go down to the beach and just watch them mm-hmm. and, and figure out how what can we do for them? Let's yeah. interact, let's bring them into our home. And then yes. and then this whole movement started. And so I think that the conservative white American, you know, church that's, that's getting all into politics is missing this opportunity. Like right now we're looking at lost people do lost people stuff. And I, 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 a pastor today, I saw a post from a pastor. He says, you know, how many of you guys think it would be a great idea to let the bulls loose, you know, like they do for the bull run mm-hmm. on the rioters and, and the thing. And I thought, man, what, you know, that's a pastor, right? Where is the heart to save? And yeah. it'd be amazed at how many people were just amen in that. Like, oh, ha, ha, you know, and that to me is what's wrong because where is, if, if, if that was Christ's heart towards us, none of us, we all be in hell. Exactly. That's what made it. Yeah. His heart was from the cross to those who hung him there, Father, forgive them. Yeah. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah. We want to go emulate that. And so we don't have to agree with what they're doing, but we can look at what they're doing and say that identifies them as lost people that are crying yeah. out. And yeah. what can the church do to reach them? How can we get out there? What, what, what part can we play? The things that are being done to push people away or to put them down or to marginalize it or just to, you know, you kind of use politics to just disassociate. They don't, that doesn't do anything to promote the gospel or to draw people to Christ. And I'm, I'm constantly trying to express this. Um, I've been teaching through 1 Corinthians that, like, we have to see people, not issues. Because I can have a, a, a very macro approach to an issue, yeah. But when I'm faced with a human being, it changes that. And, and I feel like we're, we're missing that. And I also, and so with what you just said, both of you, that was, that was so powerful. Um, we're mixing politics into our Christianity on deep levels uh, so that we see rioters as evil to be destroyed yeah. Rather than people to be saved. Because so do you feel like um, is there are you guys seeing this from your perspectives that too many churches are like doubling down on their nationalism rather than on their eternal citizenship? Yeah. I I see that as breaking my heart, you know, but I see that more than than um, I've ever seen it before where, you know, it's almost American and Christianity is they, they're making them one and the same. Um, won't I won't acknowledge any wrongs of America? Um, though we know if you do any history study, America done wrong to some folks. You know, um, won't acknowledge any of that. Anybody that's not for America, they can just they they just get out. You know, um, and um, and so there's no compassion for the person, the black community, or people that feel like I don't want to say the pledge of allegiance and say, you know, we're one nation under God with liberty for all. I don't feel like I got the same liberty that you got. So Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it until I feel like we have it. Um, Somebody taking that stance is, is hated. I mean, and I, you know, by Christians, by believers, and I'm, I'm looking and saying, well, man, this, but he's hurt. You know, this is a reality. 
we should look at where this is born out of and and is it true is that happening uh, i think there's some people that don't want to deal with it don't and then and then here's the thing this is where i think white privilege you don't have to deal with it you right, go on exactly. your life and you can say it, it's not true it doesn't happen you can find a black politician that agrees with your point of view and say look we even found a black girl candace Owens. she says what we say so yep. we got so we don't have to deal with what you're saying it, none of that's happened it doesn't exist everything's great you guys are lazy Get off your butt. Yeah. I'm yeah. Pastors, I'm hearing pastors say this. Oh my gosh. Which is like, man, I, how un Jesus can you be? Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, it's funny that you say that because uh, I was about to put a post up the other day um, and I, I deleted it before I put it up. <laughs> I was going <laughs> to. And, and I, I just felt like at that that particular day, I didn't right. feel like dealing with the masses of people um, because I was going to put up, I said, how many of you would eat or hang out with those from Black Lives Matter, Antifa, and other liberals? If you would say no, then you are better than Jesus because Jesus hung out with tax collectors and sinners and all kind of folks and ate with them. And, and though it was the religious leaders who said, you know, hey, you know, your master, he's eating with tax collectors and sinners. And, and Jesus said, look, I didn't come for the well, I came for those who were sick. And so, but I guarantee mm -hmm. you, had I put that post up there, oh, they would have gnashed their teeth and we've been ready to ready to fight and argue. It just, you know, here's, this is what I, I did share with many people. I said, look, I said, the church has become the priest and the Levite that passed by the good Samaritan, the mm. guy who was hurt, and they passed by on the other side and it took the Samaritan to come and to uh, bandage his wounds and take care of him. I said, but the church has become the Levite and the priests who pass by on the other side. They see people hurting, they're crying out, but though they want to pass by and ignore them. The church today, and this is the, the white evangelical church that I'm referring to, pastors and leaders are just, they don't get it. And I had to put a couple of Calvary pastors in their place uh, because they were, oh, uh, one guy said, I wish that the 70,000 babies who are aborted in the black community could protest and riot like, like they're doing. I just said, bro, your comment is it's insensitive. It is not right or anything like that. I say, here's the world. The world is mourning that a guy was murdered on live TV. Mm -hmm. And the church is crying out abortion, black on black crime, and fatherless homes in the black community. Mm -hmm. I said, I, I said, you guys are tone deaf. Mm -hmm. you're, you're, and, I, and I've had to put several people, because of course, a bunch of people, yeah, that's right, that's right. Here it is, we're talking about police brutality, and the white evangelical churches are changing the narrative mm -hmm. to abortion, black on black crime, and fatherless homes in the black community. That just shows that you're tone deaf and don't have a heart for those who are lost. Hurt people are crying out, but though the white evangelical pastors and teachers and, and churches are crying out, well, what about abortion? Uh, well, what about black on black crime? Which is a misnomer. Of course, if you're in a predominantly black area, the crimes committed in that area will be against your own kind. If, mm -hmm. if, there, if there's black on black crime, why don't we hear white on white crime? 
Hispanic on Hispanic crime? Why don't we hear that talk? Why is it only black on black crime? Wherever you are, if whatever is predominant in that area, of course, the crimes committed will be against your own kind. Mm. So, but though the narrative is always black on black crime, and I told folks, I said, look, I'm doing all I can to deal with the issues in the black community, the fatherless homes and the uh, black on black crime and all that sort of stuff that they're talking about. I'm, I'm doing that with the teaching of the word of God, teaching them how to walk. Many of them are not walking with God because they never been taught how to walk with God. Mm -hmm. And that's where the teaching, the verse by verse teaching of the word of God that Bill and I are, 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 are trying to do to the utmost. And when they are uh, formed into the image of Christ, they will start walking that way. So, mm -hmm. you know, these are the issues that Bill and I are constantly uh, dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. You I, 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 piggyback something you said, Tony, you know, when, um, I've heard those same arguments thrown back, you know, where we're saying, hey, we're, we're protesting the fact that the law that, you know, those that are called to protect and serve are not always doing that for us. And, um, and what I found is that it's, it's, it's those that are you know, kind of lapped in politically. Mm -hmm. um, they got their political people that are, I've, I've had a pastor send me a, a couple videos from, you know, they got black personalities that espouse their views. Mm -hmm. Sure. Sure. It gives them the, the it, it, it excuses them from the table. Like, we don't have to deal with the fact that the, 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 that that happened because you guys got bigger problems to deal with that. You got the black on black, and you got the black babies dying, and you got this thing, and it's just. And I said, look, man, you keep sending me videos. These people are not even saved. You found, oh, yeah. yes. you found a child. You found a child of the devil that espouses your political view, and you're using that as a smokescreen to not have to address or deal with these other things and to kind of keep a hard heart because now essentially what they're saying is that's what they get. There's yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. They'll say, well, that, that one isolated incident, that, that was terrible that that happened. But, but the rest of them, they're animals and criminals. And, you know, well, oh, well, you know, they need, to, they need to just do better. And I'm just thinking, man, what part of the gospel is that? I, that that's, it blows my mind. But that, I'm hearing that out here. Um, so many brothers, guys I've served with, um, this is the rhetoric that's out there. And so I've had to just kind of pull back and say, I'm going to just do what I'm called to do over here, man. I can't, I can't get caught up over there with you guys in that. And, um, I'm, I'm, yeah. but I'm disappointed greatly in that. And I feel like it's a hindrance to, um, to reaching everybody with the gospel. Well, you know what, let me just say this real, real quick. Please. They, they will always grab, uh, Candace Owens, Larry Elder, uh, the Hodge twins, uh, and there, there are a host of others who will um, give, who will support their views, mm -hmm. and they will hold them up as heroes, uh, as in, see, what you're talking about is not true, because someone who looks like you is saying what we are saying. So that justifies their position, but Bill brought up a good point when I was talking to him before, he was saying how you get someone who is not even a Christian, but because he supports your views, your political or whatever views, then you hold them up as, see, you don't know what you're talking about. And, and Bill was like, you bringing me a son of, or daughter of the devil to, that supports your views, but because they look like us, 
then you hold them up as a hero. And when he said that, when Bill told me that last week sometime, I said, hmm, I said, what a great point. They're bringing up, they don't care if they're not a Christian. These are just people who supports their views who not happen to look not like on this issue. On this issue, it's okay. Right, right, right. On this issue. Not any other issues, but on this issue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and that is, uh, <laughs> I'll be the one to say that that's, it is as racist as you could possibly be. And it's like an exclusion of the, the very heart and soul of what we believe is most important, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to put that to the side because this person who looks like you is saying what I view to be true. I mean, it is, it's heartbreaking that this is happening. And I've noticed everybody, we all kind of engage and then we pull back a little bit. It's like a tide going in. It's like, okay, I can't handle this anymore. And then it's like, ah, forget it. It wasn't worth it. It's not, it's not moving anywhere. It is worth it. You guys have been incredible voices. Um, I kind of, and I said this to you, Bill, back when we were sitting at that table, this is before all this happened. It's like, I feel, it's just this terrible feeling of like, there's so few so little diversity and it's going to keep growing and I believe it's just going to keep growing within our movement and I'm excited for that but you know we call on just a few of you guys to be voices you know and that's kind of an unfair thing because nobody speaks for an entire community nobody speaks for you know I don't speak for all white people no more than you guys can speak for all black people it just doesn't work like that it's an unfair thing but at the same time thank you for being willing to speak Tony, I love what you put out. I love what you're writing. I love what you're saying. Bill, I love what you'll say. I love your, I love your teaching. I love how you guys are um, not deviating from the gospel, but also the backbone that you both have to stand up to a lot. I mean, you've been doing this a long time. It's not something you can separate yourself from. I, that's a part of my privilege is I can separate. I can choose not to even, I can choose not to think about it. You, you guys don't get to choose that. Um, my heart is to say I'm choosing to not let myself have that option because things have to change. And we want to see it change, not in a national perspective, but from a gospel perspective. And I, I would finish with this. And I, 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 I've had more opportunities to preach the gospel to your point, Bill, and to your point, Tony, that like the, what, Cal, what Calvary stood for at its beginning of reaching the people that were on the outside by embracing this, by saying Black Lives Matter, by saying this is not okay, it's opened up doors to a group of people who I thought knew I felt this way. But by saying it out loud, by saying it in my church, by saying it at a conference, by putting it out on social media, the amount of people that are, are coming out of the woodwork to say, oh my gosh, I, I'm so grateful, I'm so glad. The, the conversations with our young people who care about social and racial justice, and maybe they don't have the greatest walks with the Lord, you know how open they are. Now, when they hear a white pastor talk about it, they're open. They're like, oh my gosh, I could connect the gospel to these racial issues. That works. And um, I want to thank you guys for being willing to stand up and to be just to be who you are. You've had to fight through a lot of stuff in your lifetimes. And I'm, I'm thankful that I get to learn from your experiences. Well, no, I'm thankful for you because um, it's going to be people like you and look like you that's really going to see this. Because we can say, Bill and I, we can say these things forever. 
But when someone like you and someone of your ilk says these same things, then, you know, it will take what we're saying and take it a little bit uh, further uh, into our movement. Um, because I tell you, the things that you've been saying, I've, I've been like, oh, this is my guy here. <laughs> this is my guy. And, um, you know, because it's so unusual. Because see, here's the thing. God has blessed me. Uh, to be able to speak in in many of the largest churches within our movement. Mm -hmm. And what's what's happened is when all of this broke out, I have not heard from one of them. One, matter of fact, one, he did contact me and said, uh, I want to challenge you on what you said right here. I said, hold up. First of all, you're not going to challenge me on anything. I said, for one, how about just saying, hey, hey are, you, are, you, are you doing okay? How are you doing through all this? It was none of that. No, you just want to try to challenge me. I said, this ain't the time to try to do that. Outside of him, I have not heard from one of them. And I've spoken in their churches, not some of them one time, some several times. Uh, but I am I'm, I am thankful for the ones that I have heard from. Um, but there's some main ones that I just expected to hear something from. Haven't heard a thing. So here's the thing. The, the point I'm bringing up with that mm -hmm. is that many of the white evangelical leaders or within Calvary chapels, they are complicit through their silence. Mm -hmm. See, that's the thing that they, they, they need to see because they could easily, like you said, to just sit back say what they need to say, and just be quiet about it. Uh, 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 but here's the thing. Many of them are doing just that. Instead of speaking out like you're doing, they just rather to be silent and just keep it and keep it. And, and I was very uh, disappointed uh, mm -hmm. that I didn't hear from some that I expected to hear yeah, from. That would be but to, to date, I still, the ones that I expected, haven't heard not one thing. Not, hey, bro, how you doing through this? Bro, how your church doing? How's things, how are you doing emotionally? Nothing. Matter of fact, I've heard from um, uh, several, you know, several pastors that I didn't expect to hear from. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and I was shocked by that. So it, it's, just, it, it's just been a lot of um, things that I've, I've gone through, um, you know, being out here on the East Coast. Um, that is different from being out there in California and certain people I, I thought I would hear from that I haven't heard anything from. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. That's, that's, it's just hard. It's heartbreaking. It's difficult. And there's this inherent feeling of like, oh man, my church doesn't want to hear it one more time. I know that's what guys are feeling, but, but they do. They do need to hear it one more time. They do need to hear from us. And I think it's a tragedy that what you said, but also the honor, but a tragedy that someone like me, because, man, you guys are more articulate. <laughs> you say it better. You say it. You've been saying it so consistently for so long. And um, But um, I'm, I'm just thankful for you guys, truly thankful. Um, I don't like Bill's, yeah, I don't like Bill's choice in football teams. I'll be honest with you on that. Uh, are you a Lakers fan? I am a Lakers fan. I'm a Lakers yes. fan. Let's just leave it right there. Give me my mask. Okay, we'll leave it there. Okay. We'll leave it there, man. We'll leave it there because uh, we'll leave it there because I was going to bring out my 49ers mask on you right now, but I, I just I won't go there. I won't do that to you right now. So, hey, I cannot thank you enough for this conversation. Um, I hope that it's going to bring 
help to people. And I love what you guys said. I think it was very early on in the first episode that we did together where we talked about, you guys talked about not only just teaching the what, but then also helping people to apply. And my hope is that through this podcast, we're going to learn how to apply uh, God's truth into our lives. So for those of you that joined us today, thank you so much for being with us. Don't forget that you can subscribe to the podcast. Uh, if you haven't already, we also have a YouTube channel and an Instagram account at crossing.cultures. Uh, looking forward to being with you next week. Thank you for listening to Crossing Cultures. If you found value in the show, do us a favor and leave a review on iTunes or simply share the episode with a friend. And make sure to hit subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. If you'd like to connect with us, you can follow us on Instagram at crossing.cultures.com.